0: Awesome. Well, good morning and welcome to Trace. My name's Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here and we are simply grateful uh, that you get to be here and be a part of this uh, with us. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I love this time of year. I love this time of year. I don't know what brought you here this morning. I know you could be doing a lot of other things on a Sunday, especially if you're a guest. My, you know, if you're a guest with us, you probably accepted an invitation to be here. And there's something that you need to know about our church. We exist to leave a trace of God's love everywhere we go. And so you very well could have received an invitation to come here because someone loved you enough to invite you into a place where they know that you would be loved. And so they were leaving a trace of God's love in your life. This is actually one of my favorite parts of this church every week is hearing how you guys are living out the mission of this church this past week, we received an email from a gal who comes here, and she said, hey, we've got our neighboring magnet. If you guys don't know what that is, you can get one of those neighboring magnets at guest services after the service today. But she said, i got my neighboring magnet, and right now we've got three of our neighbors' names on our magnet. And we've already invited two of those families to come over for dinner, and so they're hoping to leave a trace of God's love through their hospitality. A couple weeks ago, I had a lady in this church come up to me and said, hey, my husband and I really don't need anything, and so we want to adopt a family. And this particular couple is very passionate about military families, already looking at how they get, can get involved and bless military families. And so I said, listen, I don't know anybody off the top of my head, because she was saying, hey, we want to adopt a family. We want to take care of somebody else. And I said, so let me get back to you. Well, the same week, I get a phone call from a friend of mine who works at the church that I came from in Arizona. And she said, listen, I know this is random, but we got a name sent to us. Don't know why, but this lady lives in Colorado Springs. She's actually on Peterson Air Force Base, and she's a single mom. And she just needs somebody to help her out this Christmas. So I made the connection, and that need is being met. And so this family in our church is meeting, or I'm sorry, leaving a trace of God's love through generosity. This past week, um, on Thursday night, we got a random doorbell ring. A little bit after 8 o'clock, now at that time, it's either a Jehovah's Witness or it's, or it's this four, four-year-old little boy who lives beside us named Cougar who just randomly knocks on our door and rings our doorbell to see if I'll play with him, to see if I'll throw frisbee with him or talk with him or feed him. And so it wasn't Cougar, it wasn't a Jehovah's Witness, it was a friend of ours here in this church, and they brought us a meal. We, we didn't need it, we didn't ask for it. It was already after dinner, and they said, listen, we just thought of you guys, wanted to give you a meal for tomorrow so that you don't have to worry about it. And they were leaving a trace of God's love through random acts of kindness. Guys, keep opening your eyes. Keep seeing the people that God is putting in front of you. Keep leaving traces of God's love all over the city because it will make an impact. I'm personally motivated to love better and to love well every time I see you guys live out our very mission. And what a more important, what more important time to do that than Christmas, right? I mean, if you think about it, we've got two paths that we can choose as we approach this Christmas. Path one leads us into this frenzy, this performance of being overextended, of focusing too much on consumerism instead of the conception of our Lord. Path two, however, will lead us into incredible opportunities to bless others, to think of other people who might be less fortunate than us and to make ourselves available for them, to allow ourselves to be, to actually be in the presence, not only of God, but of those that God has put in our life, those that we love, that you can rest in their presence. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to choose path two. Which actually leads me into our one thing for today, which is this. The best gift that you will give this Christmas season is your intentional presence. Hang on to that. Guys, I don't know about you, but I remember the first time I received my first big boy bike. I was five years old, and I remember getting it and thinking to myself, I'm getting ready to dominate my neighborhood, and I even had my own theme song. Let's see if she'll she'll participate here. Siri, play "Born to Be Wild." She didn't do it. Hey Siri, we practice this. Hey Siri, play "Born to Be Wild." There it is. And so I had this in a cassette player, Casio, anybody remember the Casio cassette players? If you're below 25, you have no idea what I'm talking about right now. But I had this theme song, I was driving up and down the road of Woodmont Drive in Paris, Kentucky, stealing the heart of every little girl who was jump roping on the sidewalk. And that really has nothing to do with my sermon, I just wanted to relive those days. some people say you peak at high school. I peaked at five years old, so I have to relive uh, those glory days. Okay, now I gotta get her to shut up. <laughs> Siri, shut up. It doesn't work that way, does it? Where's music? There it is. All right. So, however, even though the story really doesn't have anything to do with my sermon, this bike does. And here's why. Um, I'm giving this to my son, Jonathan. This Christmas. Now, I know I'm taking a chance here, so don't let the word get out, but it's his first big boy bike. He's never had one before, and I know he'll be excited, and even though he doesn't know it's coming, let's pretend that he does. So imagine he knows he's getting a bike. Maybe he doesn't know uh, what it looks like, and so he's anticipating it, and I can imagine what Christmas morning would be like if he knew he was getting this. Because he would open things like socks and discard them, push them aside. Open things like uh, Pokemon cards and just discard it. Open underwear, discard it, because he's, he's got his eye on the prize. He knows that somewhere along the way he's going to get to something that's going to give him more pleasure. Something that's going to give him more fulfillment. And so he's just going through everything else, putting them aside, knowing he can actually come back to those things later. But he wants to get to what's going to give him the most pleasure. Do you know that we do this as adults as well? In our pursuit of things that give us pleasure, things that fulfill us or maybe simply entertain us, we set aside, we discard and even move past things that we know that we can come back to later. We do this. But unfortunately, the things that we're setting aside, they're not underwear. They're not socks. They're not even Pokemon cards. They're your kids, your spouse, your friends, your neighbors, The lady at Peterson Air Force Base who's just trying to survive as a single mom. Your aunt who has ALS and probably only has a few more weeks that she can actually speak to you on the phone before she loses that ability as well. That one's personal. And it's possible that even with our hopes to circling back to those things, those things that we actually know are more important, it's possible that we'll miss our opportunity. So let me show you our one thing again today. And see if it's not starting to come in to focus, because the most or the best gift that you'll give this Christmas season will be your intentional presence. There's actually a great story in the Bible that illustrates this really well. It's in Luke chapter 10, and so if you have your Bibles or your phones, whatever you use to read the Bible, go ahead and open those, uh, open them up, turn them up, <clears throat> turn them on, or whatever you need to do, and find your way to Luke chapter 10. <laughs> If you're here and you don't have a Bible, maybe this is all new to you. You're trying church out for the first time. We would actually love to give you a Bible as a gift. So after the service, you can go to guest services and you can pick up one there. So we're going we're gonna to look at this story. Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 38. Here's how it reads. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed, welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught, but Martha, she was distracted by the big dinner that she was preparing. And so she came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair that my sister just sits uh, sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Now, if Christianity is new to you and this whole following Jesus is new to you, let me give you a little hint. Don't ever tell Jesus what to do. Like, that's not really how it works. He, He likes to give us instructions. He says this, but the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, and I want you to hear the gentleness in his voice there because he doesn't want her to feel bad or guilty even though she's demanding him to do something. He says, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Another translation puts it this way, only one thing is essential. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken from her. So what do we see here? What can we observe? Well, Martha was keeping herself so busy with unimportant things that she was missing the one essential thing, being in the presence of Jesus himself. And we talked about this last week, what it means to remain in God's presence. But for our conversation today, I want to look at why and even how Martha could have convinced herself that staying busy was more important than being present. For all those That were in her home and so i want you to pay attention here because you might find an area that speaks to you personally so pay attention here's a couple reasons here's a couple possibilities of why martha was able to rationalize this maybe to her she was afraid of how people would view her if she didn't stay busy for those of you that have certain jobs you know that this is possible where it's like, I got to get to my emails. Even when you're at home, you can't get rid of your computer or phone because you're always trying to stay on top of things. And in the process, you're discarding others. Maybe, maybe she was afraid that if she didn't stay on top of things, she might forget or miss something important. I want you to think about this, especially in the context of social media. Because what we do sometimes, and this is especially true for children, teenagers, but also adults, what happens is, We have our social media accounts and maybe we posted something, maybe we know somebody else is gonna post something or whatever that looks like and we're afraid that if we don't keep jumping on it and checking it out, we might actually miss something. And in the process of being consumed with, with social media, we discard things. It's also possible that she was finding her purpose in what she was doing. Don't we do this? We find our purpose in... Sometimes being a parent, good thing. And what we do for a living, our job, our work, good thing. But it's not the one essential thing. Because the one essential thing is that we find our identity in Christ. That's who we are. It's not about what we do, it's about whose we are. And Mary, I'm sorry, Martha, she was missing it. Let me transition off of that and talk about this. This is, this is not bad. All right? how many of you guys have one of these? All right, go ahead and get them out. Go ahead and get them out. Pull them out of your pocket, whatever, wherever you have it, uh, purse. These little guys are amazing. All the things that we can do. I mean, I just talked to it and had it play a song for you, even though she was a little stubborn. And I think you might know where I'm going, but before we get there, I want you to watch this clip of how out of control these things can get. Mr. Haverford, on the morning of your crash, were you alone in your car? Yes. Your Honor, this was an accident, plain and simple. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but case dismissed. And you were texting at the time, correct? How dare you, sir? I was tweeting. Please, read Exhibit C, the transcript of your Twitter page leading up to and immediately following your crash. 9.15, four green lights in a row. Hashtag blessed. 9.18, gotta pass this lady on the edge. That's when I hit the fire hydrant. Sorry, allegedly. Hit the fire hydrant. 920, just hit a fire hydrant, but I survived. Hashtag, unbreakable. Hashtag, what's Mr. Glass up to these days? Hashtag, why no sequel? Prosecution rest, Your Honor. Mr. Haverford, do you have a problem keeping your eyes on the road and off your electronic devices? I'm going to tailor a punishment to fit the crime. One week without screens. No phone, tablets, computers, television, anything. No, please send me to jail. Any slip-ups and that week becomes a month. Turn in your phone, please. Fine. One last tweet. Bailiff. B- Press send, Bailiff. Press send. <laughs> How many of you guys would feel lost without it? How many of you guys feel like this is your second brain? I do. Guys, these are not bad. Technology is not bad. TVs are not bad. Computers are not bad. But they are consuming our focus. And they're taking away our intentional Presence. Some psychologists would argue that these are becoming an addiction, meaning they're affecting us physiologically. Simon Sinek, a great leader and thinker of our day, has actually done a lot of research on this and how it's affecting our culture. And he talks about how, how addictive these can be. And he mentions something called ghost texts. Anybody know what these are? It, it's actually when you feel a vibration in your pocket area, on your leg, thinking that it's a text message, even though your phone's not even in there. And what's happened is your brain has become conditioned to receiving these vibrations, and so it keeps sending that signal. How many of you guys have ever felt this? Yeah, you need help. You need help. No. <laughs> I do too, because I've felt them before. It's crazy. When I saw this, I was like, oh, it's not just me, which was a good thing. And he's also talking about how some people... When they hear their phone or get a message or see a like or a comment on their social media accounts, they actually get a shot of dopamine. It's crazy. And dopamine is this neurotransmitter that stimulates the, the pleasure center of the brain. In other words, this can become a source of fulfillment and we keep coming back to it. But in the process, we're discarding other things that are more important. Guys, we no longer know what it means to be bored, to not fill every waking moment with some type of stimulus. And in the process, we're discarding what is truly important. People. People. And these things are starting to consume us. They're starting to consume you. I'm going to be gentle, just like Jesus was with Martha, but let's have a real conversation here because I want to remind us of what's essential. Guys, these things aren't bad, but they're removing your presence. They're removing you from being focused on what truly is important. And again, I wouldn't call them bad, but at times I would call them a disease because they're eating away at the fabric of intimacy and relationships and us being intentionally present for those that God has in our life. A couple years ago when Jonathan was just four, I was sitting on my recliner at home and I was getting some work done on my computer, on my MacBook, and working really hard and just trying to catch up on some emails. And he came down to me. He said, Dad, Dad, play with me. And I said, no, son, not right now. He said, come on, Dad, come on, play with me, play with me. I said, Jonathan, I can't right now. I'm busy. Dad, come on, come on. And at that point, I was frustrated, and I yelled at him, no, leave me alone. I've got to get some work done. i not proud of moments like that. About ten minutes later, to my surprise, Jonathan jumps out from behind the recliner, and at that point, he had had time to go dress in full Ninja Turtle garb <laughs> with his fake nunchucks, and he unleashed an all-out attack on my MacBook. And you would have thought I was holding a newborn baby. I'm like, "What are you doing?" And even though I was really, quick, really quick, I was ready to get really angry with him. I didn't, because God got my attention. And to be honest with you, I had to give the little guy credit because he was ready to take out the very thing that was coming in between him and his dad. Friends, if we're not careful, we'll start to discard things and put things aside that are truly important in our life for things as petty as phones and computers and TVs. And I want you to listen to this and I want you to hear how the thinking and those on the other end of our lack of being intentional, our lack of intentional presence in their life, I want you to pay attention to how this can be perceived and how they build on one another. Maybe it starts like this. They're not listening. They don't even see me. That must be more important than me. Maybe they don't care. Maybe I'm not important. You see how important the subject is. Why is it so important that we're present? Well, there are many reasons, including the fact that it is possible for us to miss warning signs of people that are really hurting around us, people who are desperate for human interaction, just people that want to be noticed, to be seen, to be heard, people that just want to be loved. And maybe it would be good for us to revisit the words of Apostle Paul this Christmas season. In Galatians 5, 6, he says this, the only thing, Don't miss it. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And so maybe for us, the way that we'll express our faith through love this Christmas is this way. Because the best gift that you will give this Christmas season is your intentional presence. So here's how we're going to be different, starting with Christmas. I want to challenge you guys to do something. And I know it's going to be hard, and I want to make a preface here because I don't want to start this conversation and let it lead into an argument as you go home because there's probably already been some elbows this morning in the ribs of your spouse or a relationship that you're in, and this is not intended to cause an argument. I already know that there's tension here for some of you. There is for me but I do want to challenge this. I want to challenge this all. So here's the challenge. I want you to get a box, and maybe it's a gift box. I don't know. Whatever helps you to understand why you're doing this and the significance of it. And I want you to put somewhere on the box they're worth it. And every day, pick a time that works for you and your family where all the technology devices, specifically phones, go in the box. Now maybe for you it's when you come home from work or maybe it's when the kids get home from school or maybe you work from home and so there's a different dynamic. Maybe you say hey right around dinner time is when they all go in the box and some of you guys are thinking this cool no problem I can do this because I got a night watch what's up right here. It doesn't work that way right. Anything. It's taking us out from being intentionally present, putting the iWatch, putting your phone, putting your computer somewhere where you can't see it. But that's only the beginning. Because remember, it's about being intentionally present. So even though this is in a box, you got to stop thinking about it. Did that person get back with me? Is there an email that I might be missing right now? Am I missing something on social media that's really important? There's some deconditioning that needs to take place here, isn't there? There is for me. I'm pretty sure that if Emily were to grade me on this right now, I'm not sure I'd pass, honestly. She had a conversation with me a few days ago where she said, something's got to change because this church is actually taking precedence over my family. Maybe this message was more for me than it is for you. But are they worth it? Yes. Is my wife worth it? Yes, are my four beautiful kids worth it? Most most of the time. I mean, yes, the answer is yes. That's the right answer. Yes, answer is yes. I had coffee with a friend of mine this past week. And he was telling me how there was a couple in his life who was always inviting him over for dinner. He was always inviting them to come and have dinner. And he would tell you that he's a busy person, he's a business guy, and... He, he just kept finding reasons to say, no, it, it wasn't that he didn't love the couple, but he just always had an excuse of why not to get together for dinner. Well, a couple of weeks ago, uh, the, the wife in the relationship passed away. And so he was invited to come to the funeral. And afterwards, at the reception, they were getting ready to gather around a table where there was some food. And the husband looked at him and said, I guess we finally got you to come to dinner. And he said it ripped him. And on the ride home, he was telling me he was having a conversation with his wife where he said, something has to change. Maybe that's a sentiment that you could share with him today. Something has to change. Because when people, not just presence, but people become the things that we're discarding in our life, start to take precedence. When this kind of stuff starts to take precedence over the people in our life, something has to change. And guys, if you're still looking on what it looks like for you personally, what brings you fulfillment, can I, can I give you a heads up? You're, you're never going to find it in this kind of stuff. Not that this is bad. I mean, my six-year-old son's going to have a heyday on this. It doesn't mean these things are bad, but if those are the type of things, the, consumerism's, the consumerism side of Christmas, if that's our approach, it's never going to fulfill you. You're never going to find lasting fulfillment in stuff or social media or a screen, but you will find it in Christ and loving others in his name. So instead of pursuing a jolt, don't miss it, of dopamine, what if we pursued rejuvenating relationships? What if we became intentionally present to all those around us, knowing that at any moment, God may want to use you as a lifeline for those that are hurting around us. I'm sure many of you, if not most of you, have heard of the airport LaGuardia Airport. And LaGuardia Airport was named after a famous mayor uh, named Fiorello LaGuardia. And there's a famous story that's told about uh, Mayor LaGuardia that I wanted to share with you today because I think it's going to shine some light on what we're discussing. Here's how it reads. A story is told about Fiorello LaGuardia, who, when he was a mayor of New York City during the worst days of the Great Depression and all of World War II, was called by adoring New Yorkers the little flower because he always wore a carnation. He was a colorful character who used to ride the New York City fire trucks and raid, make raids with the police department. He would take entire orphanages to baseball games, and whenever the New York newspapers were on strike, he would go on the radio and just read Sunday funnies for the children. One bitterly cold night on January of 1935, the mayor turned up at a night court that served the poorest ward of the city. LaGuardia dismissed the judge for the evening and took over the bench himself, and within a few minutes, a tattered old woman was brought before him, charged with stealing a loaf of bread. She told LaGuardia that her daughter's husband had deserted her. Her daughter was sick, and her two grandchildren were starving, but the shopkeeper from whom the bread was stolen refused to drop the charges. He said this, It's a real bad neighborhood, Your Honor, the man told the mayor. She's got to be punished to teach other people around here a lesson. LaGuardia sighed. He turned to the woman and said, I've got to punish you. The law makes no exceptions. $10 or 10 days in jail. And at that point during the Great Depression, $10 might as well have been 10000 But even as he pronounced the sentence, the mayor was already reaching into his pocket And he extracted a bill and tossed it into his famous sombrero, saying, Here's the $10 fine, which I now remit. And furthermore, I'm going to fine everyone in this courtroom 50 cents for living in a town where a person has to steal bread so that her grandchildren can eat. Mr. Bailiff, collect the fines and give them to the defendant. Not only was her penalty forgiven that day, but she walked away with a reward. $47.50, to be exact. Guys, that's the definition of grace. Jesus paid your penalty and then gives us a reward that we didn't deserve or earn. It's why we celebrate Christmas. So let me ask you a question. Would you be guilty of having to pay that fine? Guys, if we're not careful, things like this, will start to cause us to discard things, overlook things, and not be intentionally present in people's lives where there's deep need. But here's what I want to be able to say about our church. We're not going to miss the single mom who lives beside us and needs some extra help or the person who's suffering with cancer with no family around for support or the kid who has lost sight of hope and considering taking their own life. We're not going to miss opportunities with our kids who desperately need our intentional presence and involvement in their life. We're not going to put Facebook or football in front of our family. We are going to be intentionally present because they are worth it. So as we approach this Christmas season, I hope we're all reminded of how God often shows up in the unexpected. Have you thought about that recently? Nobody expected the king of the world, the Messiah, to show up as a baby, but God often shows up in the unexpected. And maybe this Christmas, the unexpected thing that God wants to use is you. He just needs you to be intentionally present. He needs you to be available. He needs you to live an interruptible life. And maybe, just maybe, you will be the unexpected reward that will leave somebody else with hope. Isn't that what Christmas is all about? Hope. The best gift that you will give this Christmas season is your intentional presence. Let's pray. Father, pray, Lord, that you help me even as I preach sermons like this, that you remind me of how much you're speaking to me. I know I'm your mouthpiece to deliver a message to all these incredible people in this room, but there's a lot of work that needs to be done here in my own life. And Father, I pray that this doesn't lead to any arguments, but God, I pray that this leads to incredible conversations where all of us are reminded once again of what's truly important And as we approach this Christmas season, celebrating once again the unexpected way that you came to us, through a baby, Father, I pray that you renew the awe and wonder in each of our lives, that you renew relationships, maybe allow forgiveness to take place where it needs to be given, and for those that need to receive it, that they'll receive it. Father, I pray that this Christmas looks different from Christmases of the past, God, where people truly are our main focus. Loving the people that you're putting in our life, learning how we can leave a trace of your love in their life, and it begins with being intentionally present. And so, Lord, we ask that you partner with us. Help us to see things differently. Help us to see things the way that you do. God, we love you. We are so thankful for why we even celebrate this season to begin with. Your son, Jesus.